golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love the lane. I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G, along with Jeff Shane, the best caddy on the planet. Uh, a special edition of the Golf Insiders tonight, Thursday. Yes, they are all special. <laughs> and we have so much to talk about, Jeff. Um, got a lot of golf to cover, the world match play. Kevin Kisner hosting the Walter Hagen Cup. It's a beautiful cup. Baby blue pr- trophies are very nice, but green jackets are better. Ooh, and I can't believe it. <laughs> we're right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. From the and Masters. We're, we are, well, uh, by this time next Thursday, we'll be, have completed the, the first round, and somebody from the middle of the pack will have jumped up onto that first day leaderboard, as happens so often. And then we'll try and figure out if he can hold on while guys like Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson just kind of sit there and lurk about three shots off the pace. And a big, big, huge week for women's golf, Jeff. Maybe the biggest. Today is the uh, start of the ANA, the first major of the season for the LPGA. And in women's amateur golf, the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur Invitational. And, yeah, <laughs> it's a mouthful, and it doesn't help that the uh, th- that the acronyms are right next to each other, ANA and ANWA. Uh, make sure that you get the right column and notes. But a uh, great thing for women's amateur golf, uh, the ever, I'm, all the competitors have to be looking forward to tomorrow just because that's the day they get to play the practice round at Augusta National. And even if you've missed the cut, at Augusta National, you will get to play one round on the course. You don't have to worry about trying to compete on Saturday, but uh, you you still get rewarded with with the round. And uh, I think it's going to be a great thing. We've got a we've got a date issue, obviously, with the conflict with the A and A Inspiration that needs to be resolved, and we can talk about that a little later when we bring Damon Hack in from the Golf Channel. But uh, the concept is good, and we just got to fine tune everything. It's very, very good and very exciting. And uh, the finals being played Saturday and will be televised on NBC. So that's huge, too. Absolutely. I I think other than the U.S. Women's Amateur, which is shown by Fox, uh, this is the only women's amateur event on network television. Uh, And honestly, the, uh, the U.S. Amateur is on Fox. But I can't think of a men's amateur that is on network television. So 
Uh, you know, there are a lot of good amateurs, a lot of great college players that we're starting to see uh, work their way up through the web.com tour or the Symmetra tour. Uh, so for those that, that kind of want to look at the next generation, uh, there are a lot of players at this Augusta National Women's Invitational or Augusta National Women's Amateur that in two years, three years, they're going to be on the LPGA. We'll see how they you know, stack up against Lexi Thompson and so, but they'll be there. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, a special edition tonight, Thursday. And follow us on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Golf Insiders Radio, uh, to see when we'll be on next week, Monday, actually, and Wednesday. We'll have two shows at 6.30 to 7 as we get ready for the Masters. But let's uh, first turn to our thoughts on the finals of the World Golf Championship, the match play, over the weekend. Can't get enough golf in match play in my world, Jeff Shane. (laughs) I don't care who's playing. I'm excited. But Kisner and Kuchar, it was was a good match. It was a a good match. It was a good run by both of them and good storylines. Remember that Kisner got blitzed, absolutely blitzed by Bubba Watson in the final. Only went 12 holes. Last year. Last year. And uh, you always wonder, you know, can can guys do it? Can they come back? Some guys are match play mavens. We may have to consider Kevin Kisner a match play con- consideration, uh, just like the Europeans do with Ian Poulter. Uh, Kisner was a great match uh, in that Presidents Cup. Very a good team player. Did well in the in the combined matches. We all remember the uh, what is it? The three amigos dance with uh, Phil Mickelson at Liberty National uh, in, during one of the matches. But uh, Kisner, he's, he's got a lot of grit. He, when, he, when his putter is on, he is a, a guy that makes very few mistakes. And I think that's what makes him a great match play player. And, and Lee Westwood actually tweeted it out on Saturday. Uh, you know, this, this guy, Kisner, you know, he could be a, a match play guy that, that could be very valuable for the U.S. I can, I can think of one place where he actually would do very well. Lake Golf National, which doesn't help us now with the Ryder Cup having been last year. Right. Uh, but I completely agree that um, he just, you know, maybe he's that guy like Poulter. He, he has that look. He has that stare. He has that sort of zone he goes into. And um, it, he's just fun to watch. He's, you know, he's gritty, yeah. self-described. Yeah. And just a... And he's a great guy off the course. He can he can be a little, uh, little shields up early on. But once you kind of uh, get him, get to know him and he gets to know you, he can joke around with you. He, he's great with the needle. Uh, you know, I've, always, I've talked with you about, you know, Paul Casey being one of my favorite players. Kevin Kisner is on that list, too. He'll talk to you about anything, not afraid to speak his mind. Um, I was real happy to see Kevin come back and uh, come back off last year and win uh, on the second time. Yeah, through. sweet redemption, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. not without uh, having some heck of matches that he had to go through. Well, he lost to Ian Poulter of all people in his first match on Wednesday, and then uh, and then won six straight to uh, to take the title. So if you're talking about guys that know how to play match play, uh, we've we've got to consider he's one of those guys now. Well, and in the round of 16, we know that uh, the, big, the big show was Tiger Woods versus Rory. No, this was not pay-per-view. This was just good old uh, Saturday morning television. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, and uh, and and you could tell just by the uh, demeanor of the two guys that, that competing that this was this was not a hit and giggle match. They were very much into it, and and uh, even though Tiger wound up winning, he looked drained by the end of it. Maybe that played a role in his loss to Lucas Beregard in the afternoon, but both of them wanted that match. Absolutely, and a little bit surprised with. You know, one of my favorites, Sergio, um, going down against Kucher in the quarterfinals. And, of course, a little bit of controversy followed the match. What were your thoughts on all that? Well, we should probably set it up real quick. It was uh, a situation where Sergio missed a putt, got frustrated, walked straight over to it, and backhanded it and missed it again. And Matt Kuchar at the time uh, apparently was grabbing a sandwich or a bag of peanuts or something out of his bag. He didn't see it. And by the time he looked up, well, there was Sergio having already taken a backhand at it. Uh, there was no concession and Sergio lost the hole. And that brought a certain amount of controversy into it. Although I, I think when people finally took a chance to step back, they realized, you know, Sergio just... They, he he let his let his emotions get the better of him. Uh, you should not be backhanding a putt in match play whatsoever. Especially a guy like Sergio. Exactly. And and you know we such saw an experienced it. match play guy, but yeah. shows how the emotions can get the best of you. And we know he wears them on his sleeve. Yeah. You know. And if if the if the opponent is looking away. For, for just a minute, we saw it at the U.S. Girls Junior a couple years ago with Erica Shepard. And Eric, poor Erica Shepard, who was like 16 years old or 15 years old at the time, took a lot of heat for not looking, you know, not, not exactly paying full attention to uh, her opponent. And when the putt was missed and she didn't concede it right away. And again, a little swipe of frustration. And, and Erica Shepard all, all of a sudden realizes, wait a minute, I didn't concede that. She took a lot of grief for that, but you know what? It's not, you, you cannot assume, you cannot assume good, good. And whether it's Sergio or a junior golfer, uh, if you're competing at this kind of level, you've got to wait to hear it actually verbally said, and sometimes it's got to be reinforced that way. Well, let's bring in one of our favorite golf insiders to get his thoughts, because we got a, a lot of golf, like we said, coming up in the next few days. It's my pleasure to say hello to Damon Hack, co-host of Morning Drive on the Golf Channel. Hello, Mr. D. Holly G, Jeff Shane, good evening. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. What were your thoughts on uh, Mr. Garcia's little whiff there uh, at the match play? Yeah, if I'm Sergio in 2019 and I've already wrecked some greens in Saudi Arabia and took a swipe <laughs> out of a bunker, Yikes. I'm going to pretty much stay on my knees and twos, so... I think Brooks Kepka said it best. You know, this is a nearly 40-year-old Sergio Garcia now. He's 39. Uh, it's about time that you, you grow up. And, and I just think that Sergio, uh, his green jacket notwithstanding, has had these fits of peak and bad behavior. And, you know, Kutcher maybe could have handled it better and said, hey, you would have made that putt. But this was Sergio's doing. Sergio being a little bit... Uh, you know, impulsive and swiping at it backhanded and missing the putt. And then and now we've got a controversy that Matt Kuchar has to try to clean up and, and maybe he didn't clean up as best he could. But this was on Sergio uh, as seems to be kind of a, 
a typical uh, expression of behavior from him throughout his career. I think that's what is another part of match play that's so exciting. It's almost like, you know, watching a NASCAR race where you're just kind of waiting for, you know, uh, somebody to lose control or, you know, because it's it's just so intense uh, and it's a different you know, it's a different mindset for these guys. You know, Tiger talking about how emotional the first match was for him, uh, as we were talking about last week. And, uh, you know, it's that's what I just love about match play. You just hang on the edge of your seat till it's all over. Oh, it's confrontational golf at its best. And sometimes at its worst. I mean, you remember uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez and Keegan Bradley nose-to-nose uh, in the match play out in San Francisco one year. Obviously, the war... By the shore, 1991, Kiowa, uh, the United States and Europe. You know, we've seen, you know, the uh, miracle, uh, gosh, both at Medina and at Brookline with, you know, emotions running hot. So this is this is a part of, of match play. We don't get it every week. It's different. Um, but there's still certain aspects of decorum that you'd like to see, you know, held up even during uh, the intensity of match play. One confrontation you didn't mention, but he's now a, a Golf Channel NBC colleague of yours. What's Paul Azinger told you about some of his run-ins with Sir, uh, Seve Ballesteros? Well, he was a part of the 91 uh, War by the Shore, and, and he would tell you that Seve would shake his keys or, <laughs> or shake some coins or, <laughs> or some tees. I mean, gamesmanship was definitely a part of of Seve's greatness, and if you if you let it bother you, uh, you were toast. If you knew it was coming, or at least knew that that was going to be part of your, you know, 16, 17, or 18 hole walk, you would deal with it a little bit better. Uh, no question about it. Seve was uh, one of the kings of gamesman of gamesmanship when it came to match play. And uh, if you were a little bit soft or a little bit unaware, uh, you paid a steep price. Well, I believe uh, that your two picks for this for the finals. Uh... Damon, we're, we're blown out by, what, Saturday morning? I, I believe they were. I, I liked Dustin Johnson a lot last week, uh, and understandably so. He was a past champion on the golf course, 2017 winner when he beat John Rahm. But, you know, match play, we've seen it throughout the, the years of, of this competition. When you get the surprise winner, you get the, the Chris DeMarco, David Thomas final, you get the Andrew McGee you know, final, you get the Steve Stricker, you know, one in uh, in Australia. You get the, the Nico Hearn beating Tiger or the Peter O'Malley beating Tiger or the Charles Howell beating Tiger. I mean, match play, John Cook famously beat uh, Bill Mickelson and Mickelson was height of power and John Cook was a little long in the tooth. So I tell you what, it can happen. Uh, the world number one can be beaten and the world number 64 is not that far away in terms of ability. Yeah, and there was a guy that went uh, very far, Lucas Beauregard, ranked 50th, going all the way to the semifinals before uh, Kuchar beat him one up. What a great match there. Yeah, 27-year-old who, who grew up obviously knowing what Tiger had done, uh, you know, growing up in Denmark and kind of one of those protégés of Thomas Bjorn and seeing some great success that Bjorn and the likes of Chorburn Olsen had before him. He's got a couple wins under his belt on the European Tour, and amazing that, uh, you know, Tiger, from what I was told, was at one point watching Beergard's swing on the driving range. Robert Dameron said it on Morning Drive a couple days ago, kind of admiring it. And, and you know, who knows what was going through Tiger's mind, but, but Tiger obviously would find out soon enough that he was going to be facing a player 
who, who was the real deal, who beat not only Tiger, but also Henrik Stenson. So what a great week for a 27-year-old. We're going to obviously be hearing a lot more about in the weeks and months ahead. And by the way, Lucas Beregard came out of a quadrant that included, as you mentioned, Henrik Stenson, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Jim Furyk, um, and uh, I believe Phil Mickelson was in that group, and right. so was uh, so was Justin Thomas. And the guy that stood tall at the end was Lucas Beregard. Yeah, and we should not be surprised whenever a young European uh, shows his bona fides in the match play format. You know, we don't have to remember, uh, you know, five and zero for Francesco Molinari, four and one for Tommy Fleetwood, the dominance of Europe in the Ryder Cup over the last 20 years. And we're seeing players like Tyrrell Hatton and Matt Wallace and Lucas Beergaard, and, and these are names that we're just getting to know. Uh, Tom Lewis maybe a future Ryder Cupper. They just seem to have this kind of format down pat, whereas the Americans, you know, they don't play as much uh, as the Europeans do growing up. And, you know, time and time again, task forces be damned. The Europeans seem to find a way to get the better of the Americans in that format. We're talking with Damon Hack, co-host of Morning Drive on the Golf Channel. Let's switch gears, Damon, because it is a huge week for women's golf. And I know you've been talking about it uh, all week so far on Morning Drive. We've got the first major of the year for the LPGA, the ANA, out in beautiful Palm Desert. And we've got the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur Invitational. Big, big week for women's golf. Really is. And, and on top of that, I was able to speak to big mama Joanne Carner on her 80th birthday uh, this morning, which was really cool to speak to her about what's going on in the game of golf. And she, of course, a trailblazer who helped pave the way for a lot of what we're seeing today. And, and what tremendous amateur golf we saw these last couple of days at Champions Retreat, you know, Jennifer Cupshow, a senior from Wake Forest, an NCAA champ who had four wins as a junior, uh, leading going into Saturday where 30 young women will compete uh, in the final round of the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur. And then 2,000-plus miles away, Lexi Thompson ties to the lead uh, at the A&A Inspiration. Uh, I.K. Kim uh, on the leaderboard early. What, what a time to be a, a young woman and a fan of golf. And people always talk about with stats and numbers and where's the biggest growth opportunity in golf? Women, young girls, you hear it over again, rinse and repeat, women and young girls. So what a great week to highlight women and young girls uh, in the highest levels of this game. Is it possible, though, Damon, that, that you can have too much of a good thing at the same time? Wouldn't it be great to have both of these events kind of stand on their own instead of stepping on each other? I completely agree, and I hope that at some point uh, the the powers that be and the governing bodies can put their heads together. Hey, if the PGA of America and the PGA Tour and and the rest of the governing bodies can move the players from May to March and the PGA from August to May, hey, you know maybe the LPGA uh, with the – Folks at Augusta National can figure out a way to kind of give the ANA its distinction as the first major championship of the year and, and have its own stage and not have amateurs that would love to be able to play in it both have to choose. And obviously, you know, with World Golf Championship events and, and the Olympics and the majors and the players, <laughs> there are so 
many big-time events all over this game, and that includes the amateurs and the NCAAs and the North-South amateurs and the Western. There's just so much good golf that hopefully you're not having so much going on that, that one is taking away from the other. And I understand your point, and hopefully sometime in the, in the future they can clean that up, and each has its own distinct opportunity to have its stage. Do you think that falls on Mike Wan, though, just because Augusta National has this time period, they're trying to attach it to Masters Week, and they're not moving Masters Week, let's face it. So the essentially the women's amateur is not going to move. Do you think it's on Mike Wan to adjust the LPGA schedule, either to put the ANA inspiration a week earlier or free thinking? Could he move it to after the Masters where the, the LPGA is still in a West Coast swing? I do think he saw on Mike Wallace. What they do and what they've done. This is the 83rd Masters, and I don't see them making the adjustment considering where it sits right now. And, and people know that April means the Masters. I could see the LPGA moving it a week ahead, and then you have this nice run up with the ANA inspiration. Then you have the Augusta National Women's Amateur and the Drive Chip and Putt Saturday, Sunday, and then Masters Week begins on Monday. I, I think that would be a, a fantastic run-up where you have the players in March, you get the uh, ANA end of March, you get the Augusta National Women's Avenue early April, and then you go right into the Masters. And, and everybody wins under that scenario because the ANA continues to keep its distinction as the first major championship in golf. Well, Damon, it's always uh, special to spend some time with you. And uh, what's coming up on Morning Drive tomorrow? We'll be on 7 to 10 uh, leading into practice rounds. How about that, the, all 72 competitors, even those that don't advance to the final round of the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur, will be able to play a practice round tomorrow at Augusta National. So there'll be a lot of uh, shots of players at the tournament practice area gearing up for what will be a magical day, whether they get to play on Saturday or not. And we'll also, of course, have uh, opening thoughts from uh, Valero, Texas Open, and ANA as well. That's right. Some of the guys have just moved uh, up the road to uh, the Valero and uh, anybody you got your eye on for this weekend? Yeah, you know, Jordan Spieth has been showing some signs. And, and sure enough, he shot a nice uh, four under par 68 today uh, in a tournament where he finished second back in 2015. Obviously, he's have a big fan contingency out there uh, this weekend. And I think Jordan Spieth wants to have four good rounds. We know his record at Augusta, tied for second first, tied for second, tied for 11th and third. No one's had a better start to his career in the history of the Masters and Jordan Spieth. So if he sees some good shots this week, which he saw today, uh, he's going to slide to Augusta National with a lot of momentum. And we know he's uh, feeling like he's playing in front of the home crowd. So uh, we'll be... Uh, Who do you like at the ANA? ANA, I was looking at NB Park. Off to a bit of a rough start. She was one over par through five holes. But similar to Jordan Spieth, I'm looking at Lydia Ko. I just feel like she's had a lot of turbulence, changing coaches, clubs, uh, and changing caddies, even she's had a year of, of kind of stability, and I think that bodes well for her. She's had a couple of top tens already this season, uh, was the champion a couple of years ago out in Palm Desert. So I think Lydia can have a big week. Lydia and uh, NB are my two favorites. They're called co-favorites uh, out in uh, out Palm Desert. <laughs> Very great. I'm, I'm all on board the co-factor, too. All right, Damon, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Catch Morning Drive tomorrow on the Golf Channel from 7 to 10 a.m. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys.
So, Jeff, um, speaking of winners, Graham McDowell. Yes. Winning Make in. known his own Graham McDowell. And of, uh, of uh, Blue Mar- uh, what's Nona his? Blue. Nona Blue, not Nona Blue, Blue Martini. <laughs> Nona Blue. Um, in fact, I think he came back and, and probably had a few uh, black and tans at his restaurant after Monday's finish. Well, and, and when he won in Mexico, he uh, also kind of opened the bar up at, uh, at Nona Blue. I do remember that back in 2015. So uh, we like it when Graham McDowell wins tournaments. Yeah, and it's so great to see him, you know, back in the winner's circle. Such a great guy, mm-hmm. you know, um, so visible here in Orlando and uh, big, big popular win, I would say. Yeah, in ab- general. absolutely. And, and one of those guys that, uh, you know, has really claimed Central Florida as his home. He's not uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, just goes and hides behind the gate and and goes about his business. He is in business in this community. He has embraced this community. Uh, you know, he's gotten married, started a family all here in Orlando. And, and really, he I think he's Orlando's own. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll be back Monday night at 6.30, so, and as well as Wednesday to preview the Masters. But we've got a few minutes left. And, uh, yes, there's another tournament going on in San Antonio, the Valero Texas Open. Jeff, and, you know, there's some stars on this leaderboard. we got Ricky Fowler in the field. He skipped the match play championship in you were kind of sharing your thoughts on that earlier. It it gets to the point with this condensed schedule where players have to make hard decisions. We've seen them skip Honda when they've played Honda. We've seen some guys, you know, take Bay Hill off when they had been longtime attendees of Bay Hill. You have to cho- you have to choose what's going to be best for your Masters preparation. And Ricky Fowler and Adam Scott, and this isn't the only year for those two, by the way. This has been kind of a repeated thing. Both of those don't believe that the match play two weeks ahead of Augusta is the way to get ready for Augusta. And so they'll take off a World Golf Championships. Uh, Adam Scott is also taking this week off, but Ricky likes to take a running start into majors. This is his first time in San Antonio, and maybe he would have never played San Antonio without the change in the scheduling, but, uh, but, but he's ready to go. He wants to get competitive juices flowing a week ahead of any major. San Antonio happens to be it this week. And Matt Kuchar's in the field, um, shot a 69 today, so he's tied for 14th. Uh, C. Woo Kim, we remember him from the players <laughs> a couple of years ago, shooting uh, six under 66. And then we have some journeymen, uh, just a shot back, J.T. Poston, Poston. Yep. Uh, Brian Stewart, and then somebody who's been playing quite well, and I'd say keep an eye on, is Jonathan Vegas. Yeah, he has really kind of had a little bit of a career renaissance the last couple of years. Two-time winner in Canada. Uh, and he was about to lose his card before the first win in Canada. He got a sponsor's invitation to play that event and cashed it in. And uh, has just really become more consistent. Um, and we're seeing him a little bit more on leaderboards. He also uh, didn't mention Abraham Answer, the Mexican who uh, played his college golf at Oklahoma, so he's familiar with some Texas courses. This is the kind of tournament where a first-timer can actually, I think, make some hay. And when this uh, when this slot belonged to Houston in the last six years, five times, including Ian Poulter last year, the winner of the week ahead of the Masters 
got the last-minute golden ticket to the Masters. And so a guy like Abraham Anser uh, or Brian Stewart, Chris Stroud, J.T. Poston, that's what those guys are looking for this week. Yeah, that'll give you a little inspiration for sure. And Graham McDowell, who we were talking about, uh, not bad, 69. He's at three under par, tied for 14th along with... He needs a win, too. J.B. Holmes. Uh, so there's a bunch of guys in here. Uh, Jim Furyk's playing. He uh, shot 70 today, minus two. So uh, there's there's a whole bunch of them that uh, are, you know, in the mix for sure. So Definitely. And, and you'd be surprised at how many of these names don't have the Masters invitation. There are 17 who are already in, but for the other 127, this is the last gasp. Well, the uh, Valero Texas Open, San Antonio, Texas, first round, uh, just finishing up. Siwoo Kim, minus six, 66 for the day, and... Uh, I'm not even going to venture a guess at this point, Jeff. <laughs> hard, Who are you picking? It's hard to do. I, I, I'll i give you a name. He was the Web.com's leading money winner last year, Sung J M. He's been playing extremely well. We saw a little bit of him at the Players' Championship. I'm all on board with the local guy, quote, unquote, Jordan Spieth, warming up <laughs> for Augusta National. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. Check us out Monday at 630. We're out of here. Bye-bye. Like anything was possible, it could.